And I think that's one thing that we all need to look at is this too will pass. No matter how bad things are, no matter how bad things suck, this too will pass and things will get better. We just have to keep going and do our best to overcome rough circumstances. And a lot of times, you know, the rough hand of cards that we were dealt, but we are in control. I mean, we can't control all the things that happen to us, but we can absolutely control how we react to them. Hello, and thanks for joining us. I am your host, behavioral coach, Jeffrey Bisek. And that was today's guest, Nelson Tressel. We're all on the journey to discover the light inside that beacon which guides us to live our truest, most authentic self. This is episode number 88. No matter how hard we try, we simply cannot control the winds, but we can absolutely control how we set our sails. Only when one ceases to search for hope and inspiration in others, and instead places faith and belief in the life you create, simply by being responsible for what you alone could take action upon. In changing your thoughts and how you choose to respond to the feelings you have, the things in which you find value and meaning, the actions which bring this experience of fulfillment, and releasing anything outside of your experience, breaking the chain or cycle of trauma. Our guest today, Nelson Tressler, teaches us how we can each overcome extreme adversity and harsh traumatic experiences, avoiding the tendency to fall into a victim mentality and repetitive emotional cycles of regret. As the author of the book, The Lucky Sperm Club, Nelson shares how he has leveraged the power of choice to overcome extreme adversity in life, to embrace true personal empowerment, allowing him to elevate above circumstances to achieve his fullest potential. Tune in today to find out how on The Light Inside. Santosh Kulwar, Napoli's poet, writer, young prophet, and a simple human being tells us, all our wisdom is stored in the trees. And going on to further say, we are addicted to our thoughts. We cannot change anything if we cannot change our thinking. If wisdom were inspiration, man, what can I say? Our guest today, Nelson Tressler, has a life story which sheds enough light on overcoming adversity to plant an entire forest. If you can't see the forest through the trees after this episode, will you ever truly learn to gain your wings to learn to fly? Are you curious? Great, I hope so. Now let's tune in to hear Nelson's amazing story of how he learned to more effectively leverage his adversity, turning it into firewood to fuel prosperity. Hi Nelson, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, I'm glad to have you here today, and I'm looking forward to sharing a conversation with our listening community. Yeah, I'm excited to share my story and and have a conversation with you. So thank you. 
thank you. I'm so grateful for you joining us today. And I look forward to diving in this. This is a really unique angle from a lot of the stories and insights and experiences we've shared, looking in at taking extreme adversity and some really kind of challenging life situations and finding the way to turn that into positive motivation to move forward in life. So thanks for sharing that with us, first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. I want to come in today. Let's start off a little bit about your background. I'm going to let you take the lead on this in sharing your story and your background. You ready? Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I've got uh, quite the origin story. Uh, My mom became pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And while she was pregnant with me, her father, who was the local trash collector in a small town in, in central Pennsylvania, drove into the town square. There he spotted two police officers. He stuck a gun out the window and opened fire on those police officers, Mm. killing one and critically wounding another. And eventually my grandfather was captured and brought to stand trial where he was facing the death penalty for what he had done. And during my grandfather's trial, my mom, pregnant with me, got up and testified to the jury that the reason that her father had shot and killed that police officer was that that police officer had raped her. And she was now pregnant with his baby, who was me. And my mom's testimony worked. The first trial ended in a hung jury. And eventually the state took the death penalty off the table because of my mom's testimony. Eventually my grandfather was convicted and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, where he ended up spending the rest of his life more than 40 years behind bars, leaving behind now me, my mom, her 14 brothers and sisters, to deal with those circumstances in this small Mm. town. And I don't know if you've ever lived in a small town, but everybody, (laughs) yeah, everybody knows your business in a small town. And what my grandfather had done was the biggest thing that ever happened in this town, you know, biggest trial. Everybody knew our last name and everybody knew, you know, the circumstances of my birth. So eventually, you know, I'm born to my mother and as hard as it is being, uh, you know, a 15 year old mother, she had to deal with all this other stuff. Eventually though, believe it or not, my life got worse because my mom met a man who would become my stepfather. Come to find out he was an alcoholic, very physically and emotionally abusive Mm -hmm. to me and my mom, almost on a daily basis. And eventually they have four children in quick succession. And because of the lifestyle that they're living, a lot of the basic needs of my siblings fall upon me from bottle feeding, diaper changing, waking up to put crying babies back to sleep. And, you know, at this time, my mom would rather me stay home and help her with the kids than go to school. School had no priority in our home. And I remember, you know, we just had the last day of school here yesterday for my kids. And I remember that last day of school when I was in fourth grade. And you get excited. You want to see who you have for homeroom the next year. And I remember looking down at my report card and seeing that I had straight F's and that I would not be going on to fifth grade, that I had flunked the fourth grade. And it shouldn't have come to any surprise to me. You know, I'd probably missed 50 or 60 days of school. The following year, I get placed into special ed to try to get the help that I needed. Come to find out I had dyslexia. couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't spell. And uh, that's the way my life went for a while. And then one day my stepfather was walking home drunk from a bar. There was somebody else driving home drunk from that bar and they ended up hitting and killing him. Mm -hmm. And it's at this time, here's my mom. She's dropped out of school in the eighth grade. She's never worked outside of the home. And as hard as her life has been to this point, there is no way that 
you know, she can look at her condition and circumstances and figure out a way that she's going to be able to care for five small children on her own. And uh, it's at this time that she decides she's going to take her own life. And my mom attempts suicide. Fortunately, she wasn't successful. But when she did get out of the hospital after the suicide attempt, that's when my family got split up. And that's when I went to go live with my grandmother, who was the wife of the man who shot and killed the police officer. And this is kind of that fork in the road for my life, because for the first time in in going to live with my gram, for the first time, I didn't have to worry about the lights not turning on when you hit the switch. And, you know, I didn't have to worry about my stepfather coming home and beating me or my mom or having to take care of babies or having heat in the wintertime you know, or having food. So I started to kind of reflect upon where my life was heading. And I saw kind of the direction I was going from some of the adults I was around. And I knew it was nowhere I wanted to end up. And, And one day a counselor came from the local university and they started to talk about what it would take to get in to college. And here I am in about seventh grade, And uh, I'm like, man, if I could graduate college from that point on, my life would be easy. And that that was my mindset. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a college degree. And I remember, you know, just like all of us, whenever you tell yourself you're going to do something difficult, that voice in the back of your head just starts screaming at you all the reasons you shouldn't even try to do it. And I remember thinking, Nelson, uh, you're in special ed. You can't read, you can't write, you can't spell of the family that I came from of my mom's 15 brothers and sisters two had ever graduated high school. None had ever even gone to college, but I had no alternative at that point. I, I saw where I was going to end up. So I started to do whatever I thought I could do to get into college. And, you know, long story short, it took me 12 years. It took four different universities. It took four years in the United States Air Force, but I eventually became that first person in my family to get a college degree and graduate from college. I congratulate you on that. I know that's probably not the best frame of reference, but I'm going to acknowledge you on that because that is such a strong point of adversity in life. So many challenges where so often people will start to fall into that thought pattern that bad things automatically will happen to them throughout life. Yeah. And and a lot of that was going through my brain at this time. Believe me. I mean, I didn't turn into a straight A student. You know, I graduated with like a 2.2 in high school. The only reason I got into college is I was a pretty good athlete and, and one school wanted me to come and play football for them. And because of that, they massaged. And when I say massage, I'm not talking nice, easy Swedish massage. I'm talking deep tissue, elbow in the back (laughs) massage of the admission requirements. And uh, so I got in, but yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of had it in my mind, you know, that things were never going to work out for me. I, you know, in my book, the unlucky sperm club, I talk about a lot of the circumstances that I had to deal with as a child growing up in that small town where my grandfather had done what he had done. And it was hard and a lot of trials and tribulations and struggles. But the one thing that I realized, first of all, whenever I was uh, joined the air force on the GI bill, when I was flying in that airplane, the first time I'd ever been on a plane, And I'm looking out the window. I had a window seat. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I can be anybody I want to be now. My last name means nothing. No one knows the circumstances of my birth. And I can do whatever I want to do as long as I'm, you know, willing to put in the work. And it was so liberating because when I touched down, you know, and and got into the Air Force, people would say Airman Tressler and Tressler meant absolutely nothing. 
Uh, the only thing that Tressler meant was the meaning that I gave it from my actions. And I'm like, you know, it was easy after that point because, you know, I didn't have to overcome those shackles of what my family represented back in that small town. And then when I got that college degree, that was when really it was like mind blowing to me that somebody who came from the circumstances that I came from with dyslexia, couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't spell. Two people had ever even graduated high school in my family. If somebody like that, if I could use a goal to get a college degree, what else could I do? And I, I realized I could do hard things. And then that's when I became obsessed with goals and personal development. And 21 years since I graduated college and I've used goals and really became obsessed with them. And over the last 20 years, I went into commercial real estate. I became the number one salesman worldwide several times for a top five commercial real estate firm. I started more than 10 businesses, including one of the nation's largest privately held pet resorts. I was able to, you know, write a book on the personal, you know, I've been married. I just celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary. And all those things are because I realized I could do hard things by setting a goal and sticking with it. And that's what I'm looking to do and help people realize now is we cannot let our past poison our potential or or our life's purpose. Let's reel back just a little bit into that past, into some of those younger years. I'm not going to take us too far into that, but from your perspective at that time, what were some of the thoughts and feelings that you did find yourself experiencing? Well, I'll give you a for instance. In eighth grade, you had your first dance. And I talk about this in my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club. But, you know, the first dance where you went and picked up your date and my mom didn't have a car at the time. My gram didn't have a car. So I had my cousin drive me in one of my aunt's cars and I get there and I could tell there was something off with this family. I'd never met them. I'd never, you know, I kind of met their daughter through school, but never really hung out with them just to ask her to the dance type of thing. And I get there and they're real standoffish and uh, they're just kind of chit chatting and, and my date's still getting ready. And they say, well, who's taking you to the dance? And I'm like, oh, my cousin who was like 19 at the time. And then it just became solid ice in there. And they excused themselves to go talk to my date. And when they came out, they're kind of like, oh, okay. Um, you know, we have a uh, family event after this dance. So we're going to have to come pick her up about a half an hour early. Uh, and I'm like, well, we can bring her home early. That's okay. And they're like, no, it's on the way. It'll just be easier. So anyhow, we drove to the dance and they came and picked her up about a half hour early and never thought anything of it. Well, I ended up dating this girl through most of high school mm-hmm. and became really close with their family. And they told me, they're like, Nelson, we knew who you were. We knew who your family yes. was. Yes. And when you told us that you and your cousin were going to take her to the dance, we weren't going to let her go mm. until she agreed that we could come pick her up because we thought you guys would pull off the road and rape her. Yeah. And, uh, mm. So anyhow, they, they let us go and the dad followed us to the dance so that he knew we went to the dance. And then, of course, they came and picked her up. So I had to deal with those sorts yeah, of things. Such astigmatism. Yeah. And then Mm. in seventh grade, I mistakenly dated the granddaughter of the police officer that my grandfather shot Mm. that survived. And I was over at her house and her dad came home and said, who's this? And she introduced me, you know, Nelson Tressler. And he took her into the house and you could hear him screaming at her and saying, you know who this kid is? His grandfather's the one that shot your grandfather. Mm. You're not allowed to see him anymore. And she comes out crying and telling me like, hey, I can't see you anymore and told me what was going on. So, yeah, there, there were there were quite a few of those situations growing up in that small town that that I had to overcome. But 
you know, one of the things I learned later in life is never be ashamed of a scar because it just shows that you were stronger than what tried to kill you. That's a great perspective to flip and say that, you know, we simply can become what we choose to become. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like for the longest time, those circumstances of my birth, they weakened me, right? When I joined the Air Force and, and got married, the only person I ever told of those circumstances was my wife. And I told her before we got married, I figured, you know what, this, this girl deserves to know what I kind of been through. But I never told my kids. I never told my friends yes. or coworkers until I was able to retire from real estate and exit a few businesses and you get to that point in your life like okay what are you going to do you know it's it's i don't want to sit on the beach and just watch waves crash i wanted to do something with my life and really help people and, and i started to reflect upon the life that i had lived yes. in my childhood and i'm like you know what i lived that life so that i could inspire and motivate other people and i truly believe that things only have the meaning that you're willing to give them for the first 40 or so years of my life I gave the circumstances of my birth a horrible meaning. They weakened me. I didn't want anybody to know about it. They embarrassed me, never told anybody about it. But then I realized why I had lived the life I had lived. And I started to give it a positive meaning that, hey, I made it through this. It made me who I am. It gave me that determination and that grit. And it gave me this story that I can share with other people so that they realize that they can overcome rough circumstances as well. Same exact chain of events. The only thing that changed was the meaning that I gave it. And I believe we get to give meaning to everything that happens to us in life. And yeah. And so if you get to give meaning, We need to really stretch it and give a positive meaning, something that's going to further what we want to accomplish in our lives. Far too often, we're so quick to assign a negative meaning, something that brings us down, that weakens us, that is negative. And we kind of have to drag that around the rest of our lives. When if we could really take a step back and say, you know what? It, It did suck. It was hard. But because of that, I can find this positive thing that's going to help me. We can do that with anything that happens in our lives. And instead of it dragging us down, now it's going to give us that inspiration, that motivation to elevate us and take our life to the next level. So often in those circumstances, it's easy to develop that habit. And it's a habit of finding the blame and the people and the circumstances in your situation, even in yourself. Oftentimes, I think it's so crucial. We stop that cycle and realize, you know, we come to terms with those emotions. We come to terms with the situations. What role do you feel personally from your perspective, giving that forgiveness and grace place in moving beyond those circumstances? Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of people ask me like, do you have any, uh, do you have any, uh, ill feelings towards your mom or your grandfather or anything like that? And I don't, I mean, me and my mom have a great relationship today. You know, she's a great mother. She's an incredible grandmother and she is a totally different person than she was when I was young. You know, when my stepfather got hit and killed by the drunk driver, that kind of opened up the avenue for somebody else to come into her life. And now my stepfather, they've been married for 35 years and he is the total opposite of my other stepfather. You know, he, he treats her like the queen that she is. He'd never dream of hurting her and has provided just a great life for them. And it just goes to show, you know, she was to the point where she wanted to end her life. And now she's living a life that she could not have even imagined 
when she was in those depths. And I think that's one thing that we all need to look at is this too will pass. No matter how bad things are, no matter how bad things suck, this too will pass and things will get better. We just have to keep going and do our best to, to overcome rough circumstances And a lot of times, you know, the rough hand of cards that we were dealt, but we are in control. I mean, we can't control all the things that happen to us, but we can absolutely control how we react to them. That to me is speaking to that notion of self-agency, just simply taking responsibility and ownership of your life and then making the choice to form a different outcome. Self-efficacy, our ability to form reason of it. Rather than finding the blame, form reason or create the new reason as you spoke of. What was the the big point in that where you kind of clicked and had that aha moment that said, hey, I can do something different here? Yeah, I I think it was I think it was getting that college degree and realizing like, you know, becoming that first person in my family and just realizing that I can do different things. No one else had done it. And then you get to the point where holy crap, there's potential in here, right? You know, and and once you show somebody that potential, (laughs) they will never, ever be the same. And that that Mm -hmm. was kind of the way I was, is once I saw that and realized like 12 years, you know, four different universities, four years in the Air Force, man, it was hard, but I did it. And what else could I do? What else could I do if I stuck my mind to it? If I didn't give up, if I got all the knowledge I needed, What else could I do with my life? And then it became, how far can I go? How much of my potential can I reach while I'm still on this earth? And that's what I've been after for the last, you know, 25 years is just seeing what version of myself can I get to by the time I'm done here. What's the key to a happy and fulfilling life? I think it's the fear of showing up in our purity and our truth. We fear the light. That's what I feel like this whole journey has brought me to. Oftentimes, the things that we think will make us happy will not bring us safety and security. At the end of the day, we are a sovereign, energetic being who has all the tools already on the inside. It is within your fingertips. You can create the life that you want. And the only person that is stopping you from creating that life is you. Our greatest training transformation happens from deep within. We're all on the journey to discover the light inside, that beacon which guides us to live our truest, most authentic self. Visit us at www.thelightinside.us to find out more. You know that feeling when your brain kicks in. There's a rush and a sense of pride, a feeling of elation telling you that you nailed it. That's the feeling they live for at Nariva. Named for the Greek word for brain and Latin word for life, Nariva gives your brain new life. As a wellness industry leader, Schiff has been providing natural, nutritional, and health supplements since 1936. Nariva is on a mission to support brain health. Their latest supplement combines the best of science and nature to help brains brain better. Nature made it and science proves it. Sourced from natural ingredients, Nariva helps to improve your brain's performance in five key areas. Acting to boost focus, accuracy, memory, learning, and concentration. So if you're looking for a brain supplement backed by real science, try Nariva today by visiting www.shiftvitamins.com That's www.shiffvitamins.com So live life on your terms. It's time to bring better.
That reminds me of that great quote you share. We cannot control the winds, but we can absolutely control how we set our sail. How do we direct our attention in a new way? Yeah. Looking at that angle, what role do you feel that setting the goal plays? Yeah, I mean, it, what, what it does is it shows that you're in control. There's so many people out there that want to assign control to somebody else, yes. something else. Yes. And then all of a sudden, when you do that, you've just lost all control because the only way that you're ever going to be able to achieve that goal or overcome something is if somebody else changes or something else changes. And now you're just left to sit back and wait for that to happen. And guess what? It'll never happen. And and (laughs) you've got to take control of that. You got to realize like I am in control. I couldn't prevent this person from doing this or this from happening, but now I can absolutely determine how I'm going to react to it. And, you know, whether it be somebody wronging you, you get to react how you're going to react to them. Or, you know what, the economy, you know, COVID-19, it sucked, all this, but you can't control that, but you can control how you respond to it. And that's what we need to take, you know, to heart and realize, okay, can't control that, but I can control how I'm going to react, how I'm going to respond and how I'm going to allow this to affect my life because I'm in control. The winds are blowing head into me and it's tough, but I can set that sail to where I can still make it through by my responses and by me taking control of the situation. Simply taking that responsibility for what you can take action in. You can control to some degree your thoughts. You know, you have that choice. We all have that choice. Whoever you are, you, I, me, to choose the thoughts we have, change the thoughts we have. As you mentioned, taking control for how we respond to the feelings we have. Do we relate to it from that potential anger we might have? Or do we relate from it from that point of hopefulness that I can do something different, changing that perspective? To me, that's not saying that we don't feel those things, but we do not simply get stuck. We go through that cycle of emotional reactivity so often where we feel a specific emotion and we feel that's the reaction we should have. We're so often trained to have those reactions or mirror those reactions of others. You know, so often I'm sure you can relate in your situation where there were circumstances where people reacted differently. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we use in our program, I Got Smarter, is we develop uh, an alter ego. And that alter ego is that perfect version of yourself. And we all have it. We all, we all have that voice in the back of our head that tells us the correct choice, the choice that we want to make. And whether that's getting out of bed to work out and not hit the snooze button or how to react when somebody offends you. And we really get into and design this alter ego and we put them in that situation. For, for instance, if somebody offends you, how would your alter ego react? Well, they probably would take a step back, maybe cut them some slack, maybe look at it from their angle, maybe give them the benefit of the doubt that they weren't trying to offend or or whatever. Maybe we would react with anger or outrage or being offended, but that's not going to further us. So we really get into that and design that. And And what we found is the more that you design that perfect version of yourself and the more that you kind of ask them how to respond, you become that better version of yourself. And as I said here, 25 years after using this strategy, the Nelson of today, you know, my alter ego's name is Fred and the Nelson of today has surpassed 
the Fred, the perfect version of me 25 years ago. And, and that's what happens, you know, and my family knows about this strategy that I use this alter ego because yeah. I, I'm not perfect with it. And well, some that days ego's I'll, there always yeah. anyway. What side do we look at, you know, when we flip that coin? Are we looking at that side that's buried there restricting us? Or do we look at the side of who we are that pushes us toward what we truly want to be, the values we truly want to create in life? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing we need to realize. What choices are we making? Because I truly believe we are exactly where we choose to be right now. We are where we chose to be. And the way to get somewhere else is to choose different choices. But we do have that choice. We get to choose. And it's it's really not very smart to make choices that don't further us that don't make us better, that don't put us in a better position. It might feel good at the time. It might be that short response and like, yeah, you know what? Now I feel a little bit better, but chances are that's going to drive you back and and not further your purpose or further where you want to go. So we really need to control those choices, our reactions to the stimulus that happened to us in this life. And and that's one of the things I think that I've gotten really good at is thinking, okay, this just happened to me. I get to control how I'm going to react to it. And if I react this way, it's probably not going to be great. It's not going to further where I want to go. Or if I act this way, yeah, you know what? Maybe it it doesn't feel as good, but it's going to get me closer to my goals and closer to the person that I want to be. What do you feel from your process and within the book, you utilize as the tool for others to find that purpose, that value and meaning. I I think the one thing is, is that alter ego, because, you know, what's important to one of us is not important to all of us. Decisions that you would make that you feel are perfect are not the decisions that I make. So by really utilizing that alter ego inside of each one of us, you're becoming that perfect version of yourself using your standards and using your values. I mean, that's one thing that we do in our program. We're never going to tell you what your goals are. We're never going to tell you what your standards and your values are. We're all different, but we are going to help you achieve your goals, your goals. We're going to help you stick to your standards and your values. We're going to help you become that version of yourself that you're striving to become. We're not going to tell you what that version is or who it should be. That's all up to you. We're just going to give you the tools, the knowledge, and the support to finally achieve it. When we look at that, how do you guide others in releasing anything outside of that experience? What, from your perspective, can you do or can we do ourselves to find that way to say, hey, this does not serve me? You know what? One of the things that we do when we're setting goals is we kind of do a reflection process and we kind of reflect upon the last 12 years. And not that we want to live in the past. But we want to learn lessons from the past. And we kind of say, you know what? That's why our rear view mirror is about one one hundredth of the size of what our windshield is. We want to make sure that we are doing things that can uh, (laughs) create our future. But there are things that you can learn from the past. And what we do is we reflect upon the past. And the most important lesson that I think you learned from that is you ended up here today because of the choices that you made in the past. Whether you ended up where you wanted to or you ended up where you can't even understand how you ended up where you are. By reflecting upon the past and kind of looking at the things that were important to you, what type of decisions you made, you realize your choices have consequences. And if you don't want to be here a year from now, a month from now, or five years from now, understand 
that your choices are going to make you end up where you're going to be in a year, five years, 10 years from now, and understanding that our choices are important. I love looking at that idea you brought up of the reasoning and that rearview mirror being smaller, that being a smaller portion of our vision. So often we get caught up in what that mirror is reflecting back at us. Yeah. Keep that past in that perspective that it has a smaller meaning. Therefore, we have a smaller view of it. Well, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing that we can do uh, in the past (laughs) except learn from it. And there's so many people who think their past failures are going to, you know, I can't do it because I failed in the past. We stop being that person, that person in the past right now. We're never that person again. And if we want to be a different person, you know what? All we need to do is start making those different choices. What type of choices, what type of decisions would the person that I want to become make in this situation? And as we start to make those choices and start to reflect upon that, that's when we start to become that better version of ourselves. And and in our program, I Got Smarter, the I, it's an acronym. That I stands for that individual staring back at you in the mirror. And everything, when it comes to goals and personal development, everything comes back to the individual that you are and the individual that you're becoming, because you can't achieve those goals until you become that individual that can achieve those goals. You know, I was listening to a great episode of the podcast, The Hidden Brain, the other day. And in that, they were discussing how analogy has been scientifically proven to be such a huge learning tool in how we form meaning in our lives. I like looking at that analogy from this perspective that so often those lights from our past behind us are reflecting in that mirror and blinding us from being able to look forward and see the future that's ahead of us, to see the present that is there, the things we are currently able to interact with. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we need to be careful with that. And again, I mean, it's kind of insanity to sit there and think that because something happened in the past, it's going to affect us in the future because there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, you ask anybody in my small town, where's this kid going to end up? (laughs) I mean, I, I can guarantee you, I mean, short of my mom and my grandmother, I don't know that anybody anticipated that I would live a productive life. Yes. I I think probably the the chances where I would end up in jail or, or whatever, living a lot less, but, and you know what, if I would have kept looking in my past and kept becoming a victim of my circumstances, chances are, I probably would have ended up there, but I didn't, I knew where I was or where I had been. I wasn't as concerned with that as I was of where I was going. And I think that's all of us. We all know where we've been, right? We've, we've all been there, done that. Forget about it, learn from it, and then look forward, look through that windshield and look where you're going, where you want to go. That should be where our focus and our effort and our energy should go. Statistically speaking, it's kind of a stark reality that that can so often be the sad truth that we merely reflect that past, that history, you know, we learn by and large by adapting patterns to adopting what we know to be a truth rather than forming our own interaction with the truth we hope to create. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think that has a lot to do with the meaning that we give things, yeah. right? Yeah. We get to assign that meaning, right? Yeah. So, I mean, what meaning are we assigning to it? If you have a crappy past, dig in there and, and assign some good to it. Because if you keep it to where woe is me, 
I'm never going to amount to anything because of where I came yes. from. That's all up to you because you're assigning the meaning to that. And uh, if you go in there and you say, you know what, there's nothing that can stop me because I've been through it all in my past. Now, when you assign that meaning to your past, as opposed to woe is me, there's nothing I can do. Same exact past. The only thing that changes is what you're assigning to it. So dig in there and assign something to it. And you know what? If your past gave you nothing but perspective and grit and, hey, you survived it and now you understand you can do hard things, start there and then build upon it and realize that potential that lies in each one of us. That I think is the key for so many people is understanding how truly special each one of us are. I mean, that, that was me. When I got my college yeah. degree, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> if I can do this, what else can I do? And I started to believe in myself yes. and, and realize it's crucial. Yeah, exactly. And once, <laughs> once somebody realizes that, they'll never, ever settle for where they were before. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard is, the bird is not fearful to land on the branch afraid that it's going to break because its faith is not in the branch. It's faith that it is in its own wings. Mm. And, and what you do there is you realize you're in control that no matter what happens or what somebody else does or, or, or any of that, you don't need to be fearful because your faith isn't in that person. It's not in the things that are happening around you. Your faith is in you and you understand that I can overcome it. You know, whatever it is, it might be hard. It might take me long, but I know I can overcome it. And it's just like a bird. It's not afraid to land on that branch anymore because if that branch breaks, it knows it has its own wings and uh, it can fly to the next branch or go wherever it wants to go. That's the mindset that people who have a rough beginning or have gone through a rough spell need to kind of take in and realize it's all up to them. Those baby birds often don't develop that trait until something pushes them out of the nest. Yeah. Now let's back it up and share a little overview with us about the Lucky Sperm Club, what we can learn from that book that will empower us to learn to fly. Yeah. I mean, it's all in the subtitle. It's you're not a victim of your circumstances but a product of your choices. You're in control. No matter what circumstances you have been in or you find yourself in, you get to choose. You get to determine where you're going to end up in this life through your choices, through your grit, through your tenacity. And the one thing I think in the Lucky Sperm Club that really helped me was I had contrasts to just about everything by the time I was you know, 25 years old. I knew how bad things could be. And then I knew how good things could be. Mm. And when you have that contrast, you realize like, hey, you know what? Things are pretty good. Even though you, you look at them, they, they could be worse. I, I got to see in commercial real estate, you know, how successful somebody could be and yes. making tons of money and living this lifestyle that was just incredible and having great families and being able to provide for them. And I got to see that contrast and I realized these guys are not any smarter than me. They just kind of did what they dreamed of doing. They went after it and followed through. And then I realized, okay, if they're not smarter than me, I can do what they're doing. And then that's when I started going after it and realizing that if one of us can do it, all of us can do it. <laughs> and I really went after it and realized I was the captain of my ship, man. Didn't matter what port I sailed from. Nobody knew that, but yes. I could take that ship wherever I wanted it to go because I was in control with my choices and my mindset and uh, my effort. 
What role do you feel gratitude played in that process for you? Huge. I mean, part of our program in I Got Smarter is every single day we give thanks yeah. for something. And yeah. in fact, we're recording this on a Thursday and every Thursday I have a thankful Thursday and I just think <laughs> of something to be grateful for. And you know what? That, that's the one thing we found in our program is yeah. if you don't have that attitude of gratitude, chances are if you're not happy with the things that you have now, not, not satisfied, there's a big difference. Yes. But yeah. if you're yeah. not happy with the things that you have now, chances are you're not going to be happy with the things that yeah. you get. And uh, so we cultivate that attitude of gratitude because at the end of the day, the real true goal is to be happy, right? Yes. I mean, that, that, that's the true goal. So when you cultivate that attitude of gratitude, when you're really thankful in all things and you can reflect upon that and say, this was pretty crappy, but it taught me this, or I'm grateful for you know what it showed me or, or the type of person that I became after I got through it or what have you. But having that attitude of gratitude is, I think, you know, that that's the first thing we do every morning. It's yeah. the first thing in our program that we teach. And that's how important I feel that it is. Yeah, it's a habit and routine. You know, we learn by developing those patterns, those habits, those routines. And the more consistent we lean into the area we want to go, the more our energy flows there, the more that energy starts to come back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, where our focus is, energy flows. And that's one of my uh, things is I, I truly believe you can achieve any goal so long as you have enough time, enough energy, and enough focus. And I think we all feel like we have a lot of time. Unfortunately, we don't <laughs> treat it with the reverence that it deserves. And uh, we feel like we have that energy. But I think what derails a lot of people's goals is that focus. And, uh, you know, they'll start focusing on it and then it gets hard. And then all of a sudden that shiny object syndrome kicks in and they'll focus somewhere else. And we've got to have that focus. We got to focus on our goals. We got to focus where we want to go. We want to focus on the type of person that we want to become. And, and really all that energy is going to flow where that focus is. That's a great way to establish that rhythm. You're finding that focus. You're finding that way to zero in that energy. Yeah. I mean, focus is so important. Anything that you can do to strengthen your ability to focus on something, because with it, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. And without it, there's nothing you can accomplish because your attention, your energy is going to kind of bounce around where your focus is. And if you can't stay focused on something long enough to finish it, then you're, you're wasting your time and energy. And what a way to give that baby bird the wings to fly. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So where can our listeners go to reach out to you, Nelson, and find out more about the Unlucky Sperm Club? And also to seek some guidance from you in finding this vision. You can go to nelsontrustler.com and everything's available there. The book, uh, The Unlucky Sperm Club, You're Not a Victim of Your Circumstances, but a Product of Your Choices. It's available everywhere books are sold, Amazon and Audible if you like to listen to your books. And then the program that we've developed to help other people achieve their life's biggest goals is called I Got Smarter. And uh, it's available on the app stores. And it's also available at, you know, nelsontressler.com. And if you want to be a member of the Unlucky Sperm Club, if you want to be part of the club, you can uh, find us at the Unlucky Sperm Club on Facebook and uh, join the club. And there you'll get some inspiration, some motivation through that group. 
I want to thank you, Nelson, for being so truly inspiring, for showing us all where we can place our hope and our choices to create a different reality. Thank you wholeheartedly for being that inspiration today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on and thank you for allowing me to share my story. And I just hope somebody was motivated and inspired and you know, all that motivation and inspiration doesn't mean a thing if you don't act on it. So we act all on it, you know, yep. Start where you're at. Have That's to be cool. willing to do the work. Yep. And, and, get, and get going. I just shared that conversation with my fiance today. You know how so often, and this is not to discount the power of inspiration, but so often we meet that dead wall where once we're inspired, what the hell do we do with it? Yeah. yeah. Are we willing to do the work? Are we willing to lean in and actually become the action that creates the change? Yeah. We don't have a knowledge problem when it comes to achieving our goals. We have an execution problem. We know what we need to do. We just don't do what we know we need to do. And, and that's what I Got Smarter helps people do is finally do the things consistently that they know they need to do in order to achieve their goals. Just lean into that work and yes. get out there and do it. I truly have enjoyed this conversation. I'd love to have you back and do it again soon. Anytime, man. Anytime. Just, just shoot me a, an email. I loved it too. Well, thank you, sir. I am so thankful for your light. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. It's your reaction to adversity, not the adversity itself, that determines how your life story will develop. Our greatest asset in the face of adversity is the simple power of effective choice. What you choose becomes your reaction. Carl Jung reminds us, I am not what happens to me. I am what I choose to become. We've stressed the important role the relationship to your thoughts, feelings, and emotions plays in effectively navigating the challenges life throws at us. Life is spectacular. Forget the dark things in the rearview mirror of your life. Instead, focusing on the road ahead. Nelson and I have shared how his story inspired him to overcome adversity. Now we want to hear how you plan to exercise choice in overcoming yours. Drop us a note at social media by tagging us at The Light Inside Podcast, telling us how you stand tall in the face of challenge. As always, we're grateful for you, our valued listening community. Add us to your playlist wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you continue to find value in our show, drop us a much appreciated review. Enables us to continually improve our show. Thank you and see you next week on The Light Inside.